Hi, this is Cricket Lou, and welcome to episode 36 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I'm here with my recording partner, Matt Larson. Hello there. And um, will will we not speak of the uh, amount of time that's elapsed? No, we, no. <laughs> we shall not. We shall not speak of it. We shall move directly on. I will. I will say that I am in. I'm at, at Dine headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire. Which Cricket, you've been here. You know, it's a pretty cool space. It is. Yeah. And we have a recording studio, as it were. Wow. Yeah, we have, I think, you know, we have a recording studio here at, um, at uh, Infoblox headquarters in Santa Clara, although ours is really just a room uh, that has some soundproofing, and it's painted green so that we can do green screen stuff in it as well. Well, this is a room with a green wall, mm -hmm. and I think you're a step ahead of us because I don't know that I see any sound treatment per se, but... There you have it. Yeah, mine's mine's two two doors over from my office. I wish it were next to me because then, <laughs> well, it's not that Scott Fulton, who uh, actually sits next to me, makes that much noise. But um, well, and, and so we actually have we have questions, don't we? We do. So last time we answered a question from Tommy Nicola, and apologies, Tommy, in uh, you must be in Finland, judging by the. Way your name is spelled, but I'm no, sure. No, now I, we're making assumptions about his nationality too. <laughs> that's true. He could be. He might not be Finnish. He, he could be Finnish, but not living in Finland. But I'm sure, regardless, I butchered his name. But we answered a question in episode 35 about multiple C names in the same domain, and he followed up and said, you know, hey, maybe you're wondering where did that, where did that come from? And he gave us a specific example. Yeah. That we that we chase down the actual actual name. If our listeners want to look at it, is uh, licorice. That is l i q u o r i c e. dot c o. dot z a. And if you query that, uh, well, you, he, what he found was his local uh, recursive server, which is some version of of bind. He didn't say which one. Uh, would surfail on that. Yeah. Now, I, then, I, I believe, Matt, that isn't isn't the domain name in question actually a domain name within licorice.co.za? Oh, I beg your pardon. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. It's na it's Naderberg regional. So it would be N E D E R B U R G dash the word regional and then dot licorice.co.za as I spelled it. Um, is that how you spell licorice? Uh, n well, you There's can like an extra you can an extra letter in there by my American spelling. Yeah, there, there that that is a spelling of licorice, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, any anyway, so his local bind uh, recursive server of unspecified version number uh, serve fails on that. But then he did a dig. Oh no, no, no! I beg your pardon. He says it, he says it right here. It's bind nine dot nine two four, uh, serve fails. But when he does a, a dig plus trace uh, and Dig chases its way down to the authoritative servers for uh, licorice.co.za, and they return uh, that Niederberg-regional.licorice.co.za. They show two C names, two identical C names being being returned, and then along with an A record because they are indeed uh, the C name is from one name in his own to another name in his own, and so uh, his email to us prompted what we Cricket and I both agreed beforehand is the single most research we have ever done 
for any episode of the Ask Me Two DNS podcast, <laughs> which which actually was not that much, <laughs> but no, well, and considering, maybe? <laughs> yeah, and and what's really embarrassing is is that that was setting up uh, a zone on a, on a by name server, right? Most of most of the time that it took was fumbling around trying to figure out why the new zone that I tried to set up on the server wasn't uh, wasn't actually uh, appearing in responses, right? But yes, but we did we did manage to do that. Well, I'm telling this in the wrong order. So um, uh, serendipitously, the uh, the version that string does answer on the three authoritative servers for this zone producing the uh, duplicate C names because you know uh, bind shouldn't do that, right? So that's why we that's why we set up the the, the test zone, um, but the version bind of these three authoritative servers comes back. With a big long version string based on, uh, oh dear, now I'm going to have to find it. What what was it? Nine eight four? Did yeah, we decide? it was nine eight four plus like the second set of RPZ patches plus something that looked like RRL. Um, yeah, and and then when you when you uh, do a search on that exact string, uh, it turns out that's Debian Wheezy. So it's yeah. it's a Debian a Debian bind package. And we thought, well, okay, but a modern bind should not allow two C names, two identical C names, to be returned like that, or you know, not even loaded in a zone. Right. So that that's when we embarked on the uh, embarrassingly long process to set up a zone, and uh, indeed, the a modern name server nine eight. What, what were what did we decide we were using nine eight two. Uh, yeah, nine nine eight two, which is a little a little old, a little long yeah. in the tooth, but still not terribly old. And that definitely does not uh, does not allow, or rather, it allows it, but it only returns one. That's right. Like like any good name server, it consolidates multiple identical records into a single record. Figuring, you know, what's the use of having multiple records that are exactly the same? Right. So it would appear. Um, I suppose we, if we were going to be really scientific about it, well, we do a lot of things differently. But one thing, <laughs> one thing is we'd get like a stock by nine eight four. But I'm I'm willing to bet, uh, my money is on that the uh, the the de- whoever the Debian package maintainer is, uh, clearly applied a bunch of patches, looking at the uh, just the version bind string, yeah, and and inferring. And I wonder if there there must be a patch that like relaxes this behavior. Maybe not on purpose. Maybe it's a side effect of some other. Uh, change. It could even be, um, a, a, you know, a runtime configuration option. In fact, I I even sort of recall that there's a, a dash dash, you know, allow dash multiple dash c names or something like that. Or maybe there was at one time. Um, uh, I, I, I I'm I'm I'll, you know, work furiously to try to try to. Uh, uh, Verify that <laughs> before the end of the podcast, but oh, do I do I need to stall? I could talk about no, uh, no, no. I, oh, we'll talk. We'll you're, talk about other things. But yeah, you're going you're, you're gonna to multitask then. I am going to multitask. I'm going to do okay. my best to multitask and see if that actually works. So it's uh, it's spring here in New Hampshire. Oh, I know what I <laughs> I know what I can say. I set a uh, uh, if if you're not one of my Legion Twitter followers, then you don't know that I uh, have been setting. Uh, records recently in my my quest to get from my home in Bethesda, Maryland to uh, the Dine offices in Manchester, New Hampshire in the shortest possible time. Mm, yeah. I have I have been below now this the, l- let's review the rules. Okay, the rules are 
you start the timer right before you put the car into drive uh, or in my case first gear since real men drive a stick and uh, and then as soon as whatever your mode of transport in uh, New Hampshire is as soon as it stops moving you, you, you stop the watch so like in other words the time that I uh, take to pay the taxi driver doesn't count okay mm-hmm. um, so so using this just door to door or driveway to driveway measurement I have been below three hours for some time, mm. but I most recently did two hours and 44 minutes. Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. Now, I have to take some issue with this whole real man drive stick. Stick is not an option in my car. My car has a continuously variable transmission. It doesn't even have, you know, like individual gears. So d- does that mean that I'm not a real man? I mean, I guess it's a Prius, so de facto, I, I'm not a real man, right? <laughs> well, you are saving the environment. I am. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm helping to offset the massive, massive carbon footprint I have from all the air travel I do. <laughs> well, I covet a Tesla Model S, and someday I will have one. Someday it will be mine, and uh, then I will have no stick as an option, obviously. Yes. Yeah, I've so. been thinking about that for some time now. I... You know, I almost bit the bullet. Did you see the uh, the oatmeal uh, comic on? Yes, I did. I hope I hope Elon Musk, if you're listening, you should contribute and and pay for the Nikolai Tesla museum that uh, oh. that the Onion is trying to to put together. Oh, the latest update is that he said he would. <gasps> he did. He did. Yeah. He. Oh wow. He, well, it was just a response via Twitter, but he said, "Yeah, basically, I'm in." Oh, fantastic! Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I would, uh, I would make a, a little pilgrimage to, uh, to, the, to such a museum once it was done. Absolutely. Okay, oh, that's fantastic. Well, I didn't find anything, but okay. <laughs> I ran configure dash dash help. I'm sure that maybe buried in the bind docs somewhere, uh, there's there's some record of this. We we should probably specify to to folks who are listening that um, you know most recursive name servers, the recursive name servers that uh, that we looked at. Um, errored out once they saw the two C names in the response, um, they they errored out and they they uh, produced form form errors, format errors, and said eh, that's, that that's no bueno to have two uh, C name records in a, in a response. Yeah, and those were just you know fairly plain vanilla bind name servers, bind nine dot nine dot one in one case. Oh, but but he saw. Uh Surfail, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what the recursive name server uh, would report back, right? It wouldn't. It probably wouldn't carry the form error through. Um, what I saw on my nine dot nine dot one name server was that it tried each of the three authoritative name servers for uh, licorice dot co dot za independently. It saw three different what it considered three different format errors from from those, and then spat the the serve fail back, saying I, I couldn't get a reasonable response from any of the authoritative name servers for that zone right which which and i who knows if it's written down or not but that's that, that's what i would approve of as as the recursive servers behavior and that it, it you're right it shouldn't pass the form error on that's a that's basically a hop by hop error from the stub resolver's perspective it should just get the serve fail you know your query didn't work right right i i think the form error the only way to induce the recursive name server to respond with form error would be that if your query was misformatted, right? Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So that's 
kind of an answer. It's a, <laughs> it's a commentary. It's the best we generally do on these things. Yeah. All right. Well, our next question comes from one of our uh, longtime listeners and frequent questioners, uh, Yorgos uh, Adamopoulos. And Yorgos says, Dear Mr. DNS, do you think we're ever going to register domain names that include an underscore, like under? <laughs> the, <laughs> this is one of those very difficult to read <laughs> domain names. Yeah. Do you remember that from, from Mc, I think it was McSweeney's? They had this list of, list of uh, email addresses that were impossible to read to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love McSweeney's. Yeah, McSweeney's is wonderful. <laughs> things, like, things like, you know, Matt and then written, you know, spelled out. Matt spelled out underscore Larson, <laughs> you know, at, at dyn.com or something like that. So anyway, he says, uh, do you think we're ever going to register domain names that include an underscore like under U-N-D-E-R underscore score S-E-O-R dot com or not? Just curious. Well, so it depends on what you mean by register. There's, of course, the, the great political divide in the uh, world of registry. Well, if we're even talking about TLD or TLD-like registries, there are ones in uh, CCTLDs. And, you know, that's a matter of national sovereignty. A country can do whatever it wants. That's so right. if, you know, the, if, you know if, if Nigeria decides that you can register all the underscores you want, why, you know, nobody's going to tell Nigeria no. Um, but the generic TLDs, that falls under ICANN's purview. And there is a massive amount of machinery involved in determining what the rules and processes are for GTLDs. Many tens of thousands of, of person hours have been spent coming up with rules and documenting. And, and this culminated most recently in the applicant guidebook, which one can, if you search for a GTLD applicant guidebook, you will find it on the ICANN.org website. It was published uh, just about two years ago in June of 2012 when the process was uh, underway to allow the new GTLDs, you know, now and, that, and you know, we had 2,000 some applications. And uh, the point is we have this, 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 this document, which is 338 pages. And we took a look at it to try and see what it said. And we're going to have to we're going to have to sort of infer some things here. I, I don't know that it actually has requirements about the actual registered string itself. In other words, so if, if your new if your GTLD is .com uh, and you wanted foo underscore .com, no, that's a bad example because .com already exists. Let's say we have a new GTLD called uh, you know .mat and you wanted foo underscore .mat. It does not appear, at least based on our limited searching that the applicant guidebook talks about that label that you would register, the foo underscore. Right. But it does definitely have an opinion on whether or not there can be an underscore in the TLD name itself. Right. And the upshot is if you go to section 2.2.1.3.2 string requirements of the applicant guidebook, you will see that it basically says, I'll spare you the exact language, no underscores. <laughs> uh, among among other things, it says the ASCII label must be a valid host name as specified in the technical standards DOD Internet Host Table Specification, which is also known as RFC 952. And then it also references RFC 1123 and uh, and, I, and IDN one uh, RFC 3696. When oh, even more are 
The point is no underscores. And uh, so I, I believe the way this works, and now I'm on shaky ground sort of inf inferring because I don't want to read uh, ex and extrapolating because I don't want to read 338 pages. You know, I know it's up to the applicant to say to ICANN, here's what I want to do with my new GTLD. Like there are some base requirements that you can't violate, right. but then you have some latitude to propose, here's what I want to do. So if this document does not prohibit explicitly underscores in the registered strings, and we don't know because we didn't look in the entire 338 pages, but if it doesn't, and you said, hey, I want to allow names with these various syntaxes, including underscores, my guess is the ICANN machine would say, you, you can't do that just because we've decided that underscores are bad. You, you, and you could go into the whole, you, you mentioned this earlier, Cricket, the whole uh, what is a host name and what's not a host name. Right, right. I mean, this has been a, a sort of a longstanding debate in the internet community, whether or not you can use underscores. Um, the restriction, I think some people forget, really only applies to domain names that are used to identify hosts, so host names. Um, and, f and traditionally, uh, for those types of domain names, underscores have been prohibited, uh, although for reasons I think that are largely sort of lost to time. Don't, don't you agree, Matt? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I think it, doesn't it go back to the host.txt syntax, host file syntax? It might. I, I, honestly, I, I have a, a vague memory that it might also have had something to do with um, some kind of a vulnerability at one point that the underscore had a special interpretation to certain operating systems, and they wanted to avoid that. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember for sure, but uh, uh, some that, that that tickles some sort of a memory. Um, but uh, underscores have never been invalid in domain names that don't identify hosts, and you know, a, a, I think a, a, a prime modern example of the use of underscores in domain names is in uh, the labels of SRV records, right? I mean, Absolutely. For, yeah. for SRV records, they're actually kind of a standard that you, you uh, identify service and protocol, um, you know, as you would, you know, pulling a, a service name out of the Etsy services file, uh, and, and you identify it uh, as, as a special label by uh, prepending an underscore. So they're actually commonly used in domain names, but they're not supposed to be used uh, at least according to some people, in names, domain names that identify hosts. And of course, if you as the administrator of a TLD or as the registrant of uh, a subdomain of a TLD decided to put an underscore in your, you know, in the, the label that you were registering under this new TLD, then every single uh, domain name that was created under your newly registered second level domain would automatically have an underscore in it. So you'd be making that decision for, you know, anybody trying to register under you. Yeah, this is definitely a, well, I think it's a murky area. Maybe if you were willing to sit down and read all these RFCs, maybe they do make a coherent uh, set of, of rules, but I, I tend to doubt that, that they do. But I mean, RFC 952, um, well, I guess I could actually read it, right? I glanced at it earlier. I mean, its title is Internet Host Table Specification. This this doesn't even contemplate domain names, even though it, it based on its number, it's after DNS did exist. Yeah, well, after after specification for DNS did exist. Anyway, yeah. 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 But Yeah, no, here we go. So, for example, I'm, I'm looking at 952. It says uh, a name, a quote-unquote name, 
uh, is a text string up to 24 characters drawn from the alphabet digits minus sign and period. Right, right. Although 952's restrictions, if I remember correctly, also don't they don't they uh, preclude having a leading digit, which was later relaxed? Yeah, I'm, uh, let's see if that's right here. Uh, leading digit or trailing digit? The last character must not be a minus sign or period. Right. Minus sign or period. Well, period certainly makes sense. Minus sign I think, in some, some sense as well. Oh, the first character must be an alpha character. That's what you're thinking of, I think. Yes. That you couldn't have a number start. Yeah. yeah. This is the, the three com, three com issue, right? Yeah. Three com dot com. And three com was like, we don't want to be T H R E E C O M dot com. I, yeah, so my, my point is that this particular prohibition uh, is coming from an RFC that's describing a name that is not a domain name at, at, at this point. Um, so, you know, under what contexts are domain names, host names, and it really can't by definition be the same kind of host name that RFC 952 talks about because RFC 952, they're, they're not domain names they're simply 24 character host names right maybe maybe what it means is if you have if you have a host and it has a name and you're going to use it in two contexts a dns context and then a, a, a context where only the host name is being looked up if you follow these restrictions then it will be syntactically valid for both the host name and we don't care for dns so it's okay yeah there, there's an argument to be made here i think that you know host name restrictions might only apply to the first label of a domain name that referred to a host. Yeah, and, and, and I, I wonder if that's not the case, that, and if that, that's actually written down somewhere and that we were having people screaming at their, uh, at their audio equipment earlier when you were talking about that. <laughs> yeah, that would be nothing new for our, our listenership. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you probably have to. I've literally had people tell me that they literally have yelled at their... <laughs> At their audio devices in response to something we have said. So. That's uh, but the, the the idea that we can engender such passion. Yeah. I, 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 I wear that as a badge of honor. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm very proud of that. Well, I don't know that I have anything more to say on this topic. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe I do either. Um, so, <laughs> I guess that that takes us towards the end, unless we want to chat about something else going on in the world of uh, of DNS. Uh, no, I, I, I got nothing. You got nothing? Yeah, there are lots not, of new TLDs, but I haven't been following the uh, advent of these new TLDs as, as closely that, uh, as, as I might have. Yeah, I, I certainly have not been following that whole scene as closely as I did when I was at Verisign, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm coming up on a year at Dyne. It'll be a year in July. Is that right? Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, and like we were saying earlier, I'll, I'll see you out there before too long, right? Yes, for the semi-secret dying event. Yes, yes, which we will, which we will not, uh, not discuss further. The people who need to know about it know about it. <laughs> so it's not to, to, to broach uh, confidentiality. Yeah. But. All right, well, so this, this podcast episode barely happened because we did not have a surplus of questions mm, no. so so if you saw this podcast appear and you were excited and you can think of a dns question we would love to hear from you at mr dns at ask dash mr dns.com that's mrdns at ask dash 
mrdns.com, and we would love to get your questions so that we can answer it on a future podcast. So thanks very much, and until next time when we're answering your questions, bye-bye. Bye-bye.